Hello, it's a new rum doings, as we now know it's called. Did we even know what it was called when we did the last one? No, it didn't. Oh, because the rum was a, a, a moment of it, it, inspiration during... Yeah, you, you felt like you wanted some rum. That's right, and then you <laughs> and provided I, me without, without rum. I, I gave you some without rum, Yeah, and you enjoyed the without rum. It was delicious. Yes. So and we decided... so the name was born. <laughs> yes. That's the way, and also the way radio the, works. And most importantly, how does modern nomenclature work? I'll tell you how modern nomenclature works. It works uh-huh. that if you find the domain name available, that's what you're going to call that's your right. products that's or, true. or entities. So, so I, have a, I have a rule that if you come up with a punning name for a shop, mm-hmm. you have to open that shop immediately. Okay. Um, the, the example I always use being the one in, in uh, Universal Studios in California. There is a, a pancake shop called that sells wholemeal pancakes, and it's called Holy Crep. And you know that guy came up with the name of the idea, but came up with the name before he came up with the shop. And he immediately went to a venture capitalist. And exactly. Says, I need money to open this shop. This pun is are you, too are you, good. Are you any good at making pancakes? And he said, not particularly. I've never really liked them that much, <laughs> and I'm gluten intolerant. But I've just got to open this up now. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's, I'm trying to think if there are any others that are worth. Or maybe that's. It's always it. hairdressers are always the it's best. It's always ones. hairdressers, but um, yeah, I'm trying know. to think if there are any others that I can think of, but I can't really. I think most time, they're not actually that good, are they? I've just come up with one. I'm going to Go have on. to open up a. Um, it's quite specific. It's a shop that weaves out of herbs, and it's called <laughs> A Stitch in Time. <laughs> I have to open that now. It weaves out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We make clothing, but they're more, they're made of herbs. Well, it's not just it's not herbs. It's specifically thyme. <laughs> Can I use marjoram for my particular garment? No, you have to use thyme. Thyme, thyme clothing, <laughs> because it's, it's a stitch in time. We could make it even more. No, make it a double pun. Make they they will only weave clocks. Oh, that's that's just kind of complicated now. <laughs> it's a very niche market. They will only weave <laughs> clocks. Like they find that the cogs have a bit of a problem because yes. they tend to just fall apart and get dry because but time. It, I, I think you could probably. Spin do you mean a as time, time goes by? <laughs> the wayside. I don't know. <laughs> See, this is why you must be very careful of puns because this is where you get going. Well, you know when people have that groan when you say a pun mm-hmm. on on um, radio programs and that you know somebody says a pun and there's always this terrible groan that they yes. have um do you reckon that's just english or do you reckon that people who speak other languages have a similar reaction to puns oh that's interesting well i don't know you you you, you should know better being being a dirty, a, a foreigner. dirty foreigner um but remember according to one of your blog oh responders, yes i am in fact the posh one you and, are the posh one and a nazi i was thinking you sound yeah. an awful lot like an english actor who's trying to be a nazi that's what he that's what i think you sound like <laughs> but no so is it all about an afrikaniist as i believe the language is called <laughs> i've genuinely not heard many puns in other languages uh-huh. and i certainly haven't heard people's reactions to them i'm sure they exist but I think people are a little bit wry about them, and it's more poetic wordplay. I think this, speci- and I could be totally wrong, and you know, please anybody who listens to this, let me know. But I think there is something very specific about English, and because English has a, a, a huge number of um, homonyms, mm-hmm. um, big, big because of its uh, bastard ancestry, it's yeah. got so many different languages with words that almost sound like other words. And I think we've we've gotten used to having to deal with that fact mm-hmm. more than perhaps others have had. To. Well, I heard. The other day, and this may be completely apocryphal, I think I imagine it came from QI, um, that French has only 20% of the words of English. Wouldn't that mean no, I they have, to have an, a great deal more punning going on? Maybe they do. I, I think you're correct. I think that, uh, I mean, English has a 
much larger lexicon than I think virtually yeah. uh, well any other language by far. And um, it's n it's not just because it's such a popular language, so things get coined in it. But effectively, it was a car crash of a mm. number of languages, which is why, as you know, there is always the there's the kind of the Anglo-Saxon word. And then there's the posher Norman French word, right. um, and that's why we've got. Can you give an things. example? Can you well, give an example? Well, I mean, we've we've got things like why do we have things like large and big? Okay, yeah. And grand, you know, grand uh -huh. comes from grand, but big, I believe, comes from um, the Anglo-Saxon and biggin uh, and yeah, <laughs> and things like that. So we've always got uh, any number of different ways of saying the same thing, right. which. In other languages, it comes as a surprise when you actually speak it, but you don't. It's quite redundant, I suppose, it, but it's also quite pleasant, especially because I, you know, I write for a living, and so I find that it, it's um, that there being many words for one thing is almost essential. Mm. Because if I'm talking about the X of a game and I'm yeah. writing about it, I want to find a different word each time I use in each sentence. Otherwise, it's got that horrible repeated word thing going through the text, yes. which I imagine must be enforced in other languages. Well, I think in other languages they probably just. Um, try and find a completely different way of um, saying whatever the next sentence is so that you don't even go anywhere near that word concept, right. I guess. I mean, okay. we could just be talking complete rubbish. It's true. Will you speak English? Yeah. Some Hebrew? Yes, a little. Uh, how much Afrikaans? Um, well, that's difficult. It's one of those things that if you were to tell me now to speak out of my head in Afrikaans, mm -hmm. I would find it difficult to do so. However, if I were in South Africa or even in Holland, yeah. I can suddenly start having conversations with people. Okay. I visited um, Holland some years ago and we, at the guest house, I just decided to try it out. Was that, was that, that the weekend I was with you? you, you was, indeed you were, remember? Yeah, that's true. And, and I tried, remember, I tried the it out. The gayest b, &B the in gayest the whole B &B, world. Um, yeah, and tried it out and... It worked, if you remember. He was speaking to me, and, and it, sounded, mm -hmm. it, it sounded like he was gargling. Right. That, that to, to, to my ears, it sounded yeah. like that. And, um, yeah, and it's, uh, it kind of works, but then it goes into dormancy when you, when, right. you, when you leave it for a long time. It's an odd, an odd sensation, really. I want to divert myself here and talk about the fact that one of our hosts in that B&B was a cat. as a man who turned into a cat. Do you remember? It? No, I don't. It's the cat that lived in the B&B who only entered the room when he left. We never ever saw oh, the two yes. of them together. Yes. Anyway, but I want to carry on and say, oh, we've got English, some Afrikaans, some Hebrew, German. You speak German? Ich spreche ein bisschen Deutsch, yeah. I speak pretty fluently and a good dose of Latin. Latin's my favourite. Right, so I was going to ask you, of all those languages, which did you think is the best? Latin. Latin's best. Latin Why is the best. best. Latin's the most modern. Why is that? It's just got so many things about it that are well designed and elegant and cool it's like imagine imagine that you were given and i know that um for you when you were talking about computers we're not talking about linux or anything like that so imagine you were given the latest version of windows 7 not vista mm -hmm. i'm going to go and see it yeah. tomorrow being Wind presented to you were given window morning. the latest version of windows 7 mm -hmm. and then you were given i don't know windows 3.0 Right. For me, English feels like Windows 3.0, and okay. Latin feels like Windows 7. Latin has a lot of sophisticated things for being precise and elegant, which English doesn't have. I won't, won't bore you about them now, but <laughs> there are any, any number of different things that make it a precise and weirdly modern-feeling language. Um, and I really enjoy doing it. A, I think you'd enjoy it as well, because you like puzzles and things mm -hmm. like that. And the way you deal with cases in Latin and um, things like that are always interesting and they they do the same thing in your brain that the cryptic cro crossword does oh that's interesting so Cause I, I think you need to learn latin next oh okay you see that's the thing is i know english and normally what i can do when people are multilingual 
And I say, my, my justification in my head for only speaking English is, yes, but I'm actually really good at English, such that I'm, you know, an mm. adept writer. But actually, you're better in English than I am, and you speak all those other no, languages. No, no, no. Which makes you a very frustrating person no, no, to know. No, I, I reckon that um, if you try and learn other languages, you'll get better at English. Do you think? Because you get to step outside of English, and right. you suddenly realise what it does well and what it doesn't do well. Which I seem to have it, no affinity for learning foreign languages. I spent, I, what, 12 years being having French shouted at me. I didn't like it Never at school. At I didn't like learning right. it at okay. school. I hated it, really. Um... I could see the importance of doing it, but I didn't like it. It's only after school where I've suddenly enjoyed it. I mean, I don't particularly like languages when they're used as political tools. That's why I don't agree with what's happening with Welsh. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree that, for example, Hebrew should have been resurrected for, for, for Israel. I don't believe that Welsh should have been resurrected for modern cantankerous Wales. <laughs> I, I, and I, I, I think when they're used as these exclusive, exclusionary political tools, the cliche of you go into a pub and suddenly everybody starts speaking in this little tongue mm-hmm. and everybody has to spend a huge amount of money in having the websites and official forms in these minority languages, even though everybody can actually speak the majority language, just to make a point. I, I begin to feel very discomforted by it. But where do you where do you draw the line for that? Because the English as a majority language is is only true in certain areas of the world. Spanish would be the majority language worldwide. Where do you where where would you say it comes to an end? Should France be protecting French, or should they just allow it to to well, devolve? I don't believe that any language should be protected. It's not a panda bear. Um, <laughs> although, although to be honest, I don't think panda bear should be protected either. They are pretty rubbish. They, they are, well, I mean, they, if, frankly, if you can't even have sex properly to produce children, then you really don't deserve to continue. But just, to I think they're just camera shy. They never get to have a moment's privacy. No, I'll tell you what. Filmed. Will they bonk? Will they? I'll tell you what their problem is. Yeah. They've evolved to eat rubbish that they can't cope with very well. I right. mean, they really don't really cope very well with the diet they've evolved to use. Well, apparently, they will eat meat if there's nothing else around. All this image of them being lovely, friendly, cuddly yeah. bears is complete rubbish. No, I think that the um, that language. I would be very happy, and this is this is very this is contentious because you're not. It's almost it's almost unpolitically correct to say so <laughs> these days. I would be very happy if there were... I can't believe you just said that. I said it in a funny voice, though. <laughs> so you know what I mean. Um, it's... I believe there should only be... I'd be happy if there were only one spoken language in the world mm-hmm. um, and all other languages were, were objects of curiosity. Right, and then you don't have any particular preference which no, language that No, would be. I mean, if it, if it were Spanish or whatever, that would be fine. I think mm-hmm. it should be a language with an alphabet, frankly, because, you know, the internet and all that. And let's right. be honest... Um, Chinese, trying to type Chinese on a keyboard is ridiculous. Right. However clever your keyboard is. It's um, nice to draw the paintbrush, though. Yes. Well, that's fine. And yeah. again, you can use it artistically. Uh-huh. You can read the poetry. You can learn about the culture. I do not believe in what's called the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, which is that if you, if you people who speak different languages, their brains work in different ways and they have different insights. I don't believe that. I believe we're much more similar than we'd like to. Be, we'd right. like to believe, and um, the language that we happen to use has very little effect on this. Uh, okay. a broader culture is much more important, I think. So, I would like there to be only one language in the world um, that's used for commerce and general communication. If you could arrange that by next Tuesday, that would be. You know what I'm going to call the language? What? Babylon. Will you? Yes, Babylon. Maybe is the correct pronunciation. I. Oh yes, yes, yes. Well, I no, I think the that I I agree with what the Tower of Babel story is trying to teach us, and I think it's a bit sad that languages like Welsh and minority languages like Basque and so on are effectively trying to 
trying to do what God nastily did to us. You know, he punished us, and it's like we're reveling in in, him, right. in the punishment. I don't like that really much. Yeah, so. I should say at this point that the topic of this week's uh, rum doing to ignore is uh, is whatever happened to good old fashioned manners. That's the theme. <laughs> good old. Whatever happened to good old fashioned manners? Go on then. What happened to them? I love questions like that. I love questions that are just predicated in uh, a myth. It begs the question as well that good old-fashioned manners were good, old-fashioned or, 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 or worthy, or that they've disappeared. And brilliantly that there were ever a time when, when the older generation didn't think that the younger generation yes. uh, were poorly behaved. I mean, remember why one of the main reasons why Socrates was killed for, for corrupting the youth, because they believed that the, the youth were awful vagabonds and they didn't yeah. live up to their elders, and he was one of the causes of it, so yeah. I found this great text, I can't remember where it was, anything about it, but it was about 2,000 years old and it was this completely, it could have been any talk radio presenter yes. screaming and yelling about the, the youth of today and it was written thousands of years ago. So Nick, Nikai Ferrari or something like Nick that. Nick Ferrari's on LBC now, I think. Isn't it sad what LBC's become? I don't know, it, I, I don't really listen to it anymore, not being in London, so... I hear it once in a while when, um, yeah. you know, I, I'll turn on the radio in the car and Radio 4 will have Women's Hour or something yes. <laughs> something evil on it. <laughs> yes. And uh, Radio 3 will have something that's just just too avant-garde, dropping keys on in the, the morning, piano or something. In the morning. Sometimes they do. They uh, don't. They just play crappy old CD. Play, um, oh, no, no. That's right. Yeah, in the morning, there'll be some 78 RPM record right, of, yes. of somebody <laughs> not playing something very well that's some played Naxos, much better. Some on, Naxos yeah, recording. Naxos. And, and at that point... <laughs> And, and, you know, Radio 2 will just be being a bit rubbish. And, mm-hmm. uh, and at that point, your finger slips to LBC think, out of desperation. Right. And you hear... What's interesting about um, commercial radio is that you don't have to actually hear the content. There's, there's something about the tone and the compression on it and the amplification that you, almost, you immediately know you're listening to commercial radio. Yes. That's quite different to I think Radio you're right, 4 when we, we were in the burger place earlier and you asked what radio station you thought I thought was on and I said Radio 1 and I yeah. said that not because I recognised the presenter or anything like no. that but purely because it didn't sound like commercial radio yes. and there's yeah. a, there is some something about the way you can immediately tell you're listening to commercial it sounds cheap and brash and, mm-hmm. and, and slightly echoey too compressed and so on um, and so LB, LBC sounds like that so you you get the the the, the unpleasant right wing presenter um, gabbling into the mic into the mic slightly too close, and then you get the imbecile phoning in and that kind of stuff. And it's it's sad because I mean there were always the slightly too right wing presenter and the imbecile phoning in, but there used to yes. be something cosier about it ten years ago. Um, you know, or one might almost say more manedly. Um, <laughs> Whatever happened to good old fashioned manners? But, but you know, I mean, people like. Uh, Robbie Vincent and but Mike Allen, all those—they they were always slightly avuncular. Um, they weren't yes. like the shock jocks of the US. But whereas now, it's there's something quite trashy and hard-edged about it, well, which it, is odd. It, it, a peculiarity that long before we knew each other, we were both listening to Robbie Vincent and, and Mike Allen on on uh, was L, was it LBC? It was LBC. It shows you you can't even think that it, it's it was such. No, a I know it's true. Actually, it must have, I thought it must have been another station that would be on in the evenings and. Um, it was this kind of peculiarly comforting, friendly sound. Well, well, it was. I remember Robbie Vincent helped me through various terrors of change and mortality and that kind of thing, <laughs> just because he was like this, this, this static beacon. 
My favorite... He was always there. Yeah. He was always there every night talking nonsense. And... My favourite thing about him, and I couldn't tell you his politics or anything like that no, from that programme. No, nor could I. But with the quizzes. Yes. They were just an hour, there'd be an hour or even two hours long of people phoning in and just... There's something inherently pleasant about a quiz. Yes. And and just a quiz on the radio is, is, is peculiar. And it was just so so slow and so mundane it was you can participate in so much as guessing at the art trying to know the answers yeah. to the questions and also there's the pleasure and the pain of the person winning or losing well I remember I used to come home on a from from school and late on a Friday night or whatever and as part of the relaxing and have, have a have a have, eventually have a bath while mm-hmm. something awful like weekending was on radio right. for um, which nevertheless was about the only comedy that one had and then, and then there was. Then, as you're going to sleep, there was some rubbish quiz on LBC, and that was a very comforting, mm-hmm. warm, soupy sort of thing Absolutely. to have. And I'm not sure that that sort of radio exists at the moment. No, it does. It exists as podcasts and things like oh, that. I suppose now. so. Yeah. Um, and and do you remember? Do you remember Doctor Michael Van Stratton? Michael Van Stratton and, and his evening primrose. That's right. Because which, long which before is... I knew that he was a, that it was all uh, quackery. Yes, I just assumed he was a doctor, and therefore these so, things he was saying were true. So, so did to, I. He used to prescribe yogurt for every problem. Yes. and evening <laughs> primrose, primrose oil. oil. Yes, I, I remember that. And I used to think this evening primrose oil sounded like the most miraculous of drugs. And, I would say to my, oh, I know how you treat that. You use yogurt. Yes. <laughs> And in tests, uh, 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 and in proper double blind tests, of course, uh, evening primrose oil has been proven to do bugger all. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I imagine yogurt does very little as well. I imagine yogurt can help with thrush. Something <laughs> like that. I think that's about it. But I remember just being engrossed by this doctor who seemed to know all these other secrets. Again, he had a good voice. He did. Very he good was voice. always comforting. Absolutely. You know, so you've got a bit of cancer, <laughs> but I'll cure it with some yogurt and a drop of evening primrose oil. <laughs> just a drop. Yes. I wonder. I wonder if he's into homeopathy now. I, I'm sure he was even then a bit. Um, yeah. You notice the trick of homeopathy? Do you What's know what that? the trick is? And um, I've heard this with a number of. Oh, I know. I know. What, I know how it works. Oh, no, no, no. The, the trick in conning people into accepting it. Oh, okay. See, see if you, 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 if you can guess. What's the trick in conning people into sort of accepting homeopathy? Oh, I it's see. A bit it's, of a bait and oh, switch it, campaign. Is it vaccines? Not quite, but you're almost there. Actually, yeah. what it is is that most people. Uh-huh. Uh, don't actually know what homeopathy is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you speak to people, they think that homeopathy is a kind of adjunct of herbal medicine Herbalism, with, yeah, a, with, a, with, a, with a clever kind of preparatory action. Right. They might think specially dissolved herbs or something like that. Right. Um, when you actually explain to them the full idiotic horror <laughs> of, of, of homeopathy, they don't believe you. Mm-hmm. They really think you're making it up. Yes, and I've, I've had that. Type and, and then you say, and then you have to hit it with a leather book. At that point, they say, right now you really are just making. It. You do, you know that's part of the. I think there's even a. Word oh, I didn't for know it. about the leather um, book. You have to. Uh, I think they've got automatic leather book hitters now, <laughs> and you have to kind of hit the bottom of the uh, vial with a leather book in order to make the magic. <laughs> really? Yes. That explains why uh, sewer water yes. doesn't poison us with <laughs> infinite amounts of poo it's got dissolved in it yes because they say that water has a memory that's right but you know it's a bit like white noise think of all the things through the aeons that it's memorized it's a <laughs> yes, schizophrenic <laughs> substance that you know one minute could be um curing you and the next minute giving but you the most the terrible reason that's right because uh, like when you said some people listening might not know exactly well, let's what explain is. can you explain what homeopathy is and 
Just say it with a straight face. Okay, I'll, I'll explain very sensibly. Well, what I'm, I'm a homeopath. Here's how it okay. works. So I'm a, I am a homeopath, yes. and here's what I do. What I do is now the way we treat this. You may have understood, like you may have had a vaccination where we give you a very small amount of the illness, and that teaches your body to fight against it. Was based on that principle, but we take it, make it much stronger. Yes. take it much further. Uh-huh. So uh, what we'll do is we'll take one part of the medicine to a hundred parts But what water. is the medicine? Oh, the medicine in this case is evening primrose oil. Right. Oh, no, no. There's oh, no. One, let me just interrupt oh, you. There, 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 is, there, there is... No, but it will more likely be cyanide yes. because the, the, what homeopaths say is like cures like. Yes, right. So if, for example, you find that um, you're getting rashes on your skin, they will take stinging nettles because stinging nettles cause rashes on your skin. Okay. And in some weird kind of mathematical inversion, they think if a lot of it right. causes... <laughs> sorry, it's difficult to say with a okay, so take... If a lot of it causes rashes, then a very small amount of it will cure. Well, here's how it is. So I take a stinging nettle, yes. and I make one part stinging nettle to 100 parts water, and I mix that in. Yeah. Now, what I do then, mm-hmm. because that's, that's still... That's, there's no strength to that. There's no power <laughs> to that. What I do then is I take one part of that, mix it with another 100 parts water. Yes. So that's now one in 100,000. One in ten thousand, correct if I'm wrong. Um, and I take one of I take one part of that and mix it with another hundred parts of water, mm. and I've got one in uh, well, one in a million, around one in yeah. a million. And, and then sometimes, and think, sometimes people know they will go several and, steps and I'm saying, further. That would be yeah. the that would be the weakest homeopathic remedy I could make. And I can keep like I think that's just that's one x, isn't yeah. it? And then you can eventually get to five x, ten x, and the, where you dilute further and dilute further and further dilute. until there is literally. Literally none of the original substance. Not even not one even, molecule. Not not even because the 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 number of mole- the molecular um, uh, solution is now more parts than there are atoms in the universe. We're yeah. talking that kind of level yeah. of there is none of the original. But water has a memory, mm. and it remembers what was originally in it, and it's so potent. Conveniently, it only remembers that, yes, and not the tens of billions of other contaminating substances that have flown through it. No, none, none at all. Because yeah. I haven't hit it with the leather-bound book. No. <laughs> yeah, and that, that is... Home- and then so... Well, you, and then you drink the water, or eat the sugar that the water's been dropped mm-hmm. on. But this is what I love most about it, is because you, throughout the years there's been snake oil salesmen, and people mm. always, you know, this term has been used. And, and generally what happens is people have tinctures and yes. potions that are enormously overwhelming and powerful. Yes, and, and you quite alcoholic as and, well. And yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Do, and do absolutely nothing, but they are quite overpowering. Homeopathy is the genius. Is they are literally selling water. They're not or a bit of it's sugar. Not a, it's not an exaggeration. It's not an over. It's not a. You a, a are parody. being sold nothing. It's a. It's, it's a bottle of of, of nothing. Water. No, of nothing. Of no active ingredient That's at right. all. And they make that. The sales pitch. That's right. it's, it's a bit like Douglas Adams' infinite improbability drive. They take the most stupid part of it and make that the point. But and that's what I think. That's why it's so undefeatable. Because everything else, when say if you're trying to disprove acupuncture, mm. well, you can take a quite scientific approach to that, and you can mm. demonstrate that the you know obviously that you, get, you have trouble when it comes to the religious side of it and, and people's belief in chi and and yeah. various um, you know uh, energies energies and all this. By the way, stuff. let me just quickly mm-hmm. interrupt you, but I will allow you to continue. Yes. So I'm not going to. Um, when, when, when people use the word energies mm-hmm. in plural, that's when they need to be slain. That's right. Because slain. there is there there is energy. There are not energies. And if anybody tells me about the energy in the room or the energies, I will ask them specifically to define the work that is being done yes. by this energy. So anyway, yeah. just 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 continue. Yeah. So I like the name to be slain. Energies. Cleft in twain. They yeah. should be. Um, what was that? Oh yes, and so you're going through, and with acupuncture, you can do, you can create a sensible test that explores whether it's having an effect or not, and you can do double blind testing quite simply, where you in, put needles in the wrong places, or you you just 
Yeah. yeah, they've created needles that feel like they're being puncturing the skin yeah, and on. Yeah. You know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, but people behind acupuncture are quite passionately believe it's true, and there are hundreds and if not thousands of years of history behind it. With with homeopathy, it's it's this extraordinary brazen attitude of there is nothing. There's nothing you can test for. There's no there's no big starting point to exploring it in a mature and scientific way well, because it is just some water. Which is why when you actually give a simple, a very simple test, you say, okay, what are your claims? And they never want to make a claim. You say, well, mm-hmm. they'll say, okay, you can cure. Well, first of all, they say, oh, it's just it's a holistic treatment. No, yes, it isn't. Right. It's, it, it's not at all holistic. It's very very. Um, specific about mm-hmm. what it what one yeah. particular therapy will cure so for example you'll say okay um these people have got the have got eczema and um we are going to try homeopathic remedies on these people but some of these remedies will not be homeopathic they'll just be sugar pills without the yes. magic put on them uh-huh. the magic nothing yes and we will use a hundred of these people will have the pill with the magic nothing and a hundred of these people will have the pill without the magic nothing mm-hmm and then after three weeks or whatever, we will see who feels better. Now, if there is no difference between the first hundred and the second hundred, then homeopathy is proven not to Absolutely. work. It's as simple as that. And, you know, people always say, oh, well, yeah, but it isn't amenable to scientific te-. They try and make it sound like it's this very complex testing that's, that's very fallocentric and very specific to the scientific me- method and load. No, it isn't. It's just saying, do you actually do what you're saying you're doing, mate? Yes. Is what's written on the tin actually what's in the tin, mate? That's all it is. Uh-huh. It's a very kind of almost blokey way of doing things. You know, let's not think of it in this very peculiarly academic, rarefied Western um, with, a, with an unpleasant capital W sort of way. Right. It's just saying, if you say what you're doing is true, let's see if it is. And the problem is it... it and then, you know, OK, if, if, if everybody in the hundred in both hundreds mm-hmm. say I feel better then yeah the placebo effect's done the job we'd expect it to yeah. but if there is no difference then we say well frankly homeopathy doesn't work and that's why I can say homeopathy doesn't work in the sense that unless it's a placebo effect it doesn't work because every test that's been done like that is just chance whether people well, feel better to... or not and when they've done meta-analyses of these they've an- analysed all the good ones where both the double blind as you say they mm-hmm. check the size of the group that's being tested on. And when you take all those good ones together, there is no effect beyond placebo. You, you have to be very careful how you word that, of course, because Simon Singh is currently embroiled in the most horrendous court case because he said it doesn't work about chiropractic tick. Whereas what he should have said, and probably you should say, is there is no currently no convincing evidence that it works. Now, of course, homeopathy, homeopathy doesn't no, work I'm because prepared. it's some water or some I, sugar. I, am, I am prepared to say that <laughs> In as much as I am convinced by anything, but I'm talking about being. I, I know there's being an scientific. There's an epistemological fair. problem here, but I am prepared to say, as arrogantly as I can, <laughs> homeopathy does not work beyond its placebo effect. I will say that boldly, and <laughs> and if if the homeopathic lawyers come towards me, I will ask them to shred their briefs into a tiny, right, tiny yeah. little drop and then dilute it and dilute themselves away. That would be lovely. Mm. Of course, the reason why homeopathy does have a positive placebo effect is because... You can't overdose. Well, for, no, uh, uh, as James Randi recently proved, but you... Um, no, because you have when you, have a, when you go to a homeopath, you don't go in and have a te- quick 10-minute appointment no. where you throw your symptoms at him and they quickly prescribe you something. You go in, you spend a lot of money and you spend an hour with this person and they give you yeah. an hour's counselling. Yes. And an hour's counselling is extremely therapeutic. It's why well, there's I mean. counselling. Yeah, exactly, but that's, so, that's, that's what you would and do. That's, and, that's how, and that's how homeopathy... 
homeopathy gets its reputation yes. because it's very effective to have an hour's counselling. Yes. And then and then a nice bottle of placebo to make yourself feel better afterwards. Mm. How how ideal. I always sometimes I sometimes feel like I've ruled out all this positive placebo is very real and very positive and very useful. Yes. And I feel like I've ruled myself out from the vast majority of positive placebo effects yes. by educating myself about these matters. I have a feeling that that's why the NHS still allows homeopathy to continue oh, yeah. because I think there are a lot of neurotic people who will go and visit their GPs or whatever who would otherwise be trying to take things like sleeping tablets and barbiturates and if you can get them hooked on homeopathic remedies and they think it's doing them good oh, that's a lot better and a lot cheaper mm-hmm. and a lot safer because they're not going to OD on nothing. That's true. We had a. Some, I live in a house which has had. Do you? Was used to be. A, I do. I do. Used to be a student house, and so it's had many, many occupants before us. Yes. And so we get lots and lots of posts for people, and, and amazing numbers of different names come in. And one we had was a parcel, and it was for someone, and we couldn't find. A, I couldn't find any way to forward it to her, and eventually just had a mad curiosity. We opened it, which is against the law and terrible. I'm going to go to prison. Mm. Um, we found it was a homeopathic remedy with a note with a leaflet explaining what it cured. And right. so I, and I, t- I couldn't help myself. I had to try some. It was um, heavily scented. It had been pecu- it was peculiar. They put some ghastly flavouring in it. Surely that causes a problem with the memory of the. I, I would have thought so. And I tried some, and whatever it was supposed to cure or cause, it didn't have any effect on me at all. I'm disappointed to report. Do you remember what? But it was maybe it made me better. Maybe it's why I'm not dead now. Yes. No, I don't. I can't remember. We threw it all away because it was such rubbish. Yes. But it came in this little bottle with pipettes. You could just, I think you were meant to drop one. That's right. The instruction said to drop one or two on your tongue a yes. day, but not anymore. And don't. No more. No, it comes with all sorts of OC, uh, OCD prescriptions and proscriptions. Yes. It's, you're not allowed to touch the tablet with your finger or you're not allowed <laughs> to touch the liquid with your finger and you have to uh-huh. just tip it onto your tongue and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's part of the magic ritual, mm. isn't oh, of it? Of course. You know, that and Catholicism. <laughs> I had to be a dig, but it's like no, but it's like a may. It's like a, a modern version of the wafer, isn't it? You put it on your tongue and let it dissolve there, and then it will do its magic. It's just people are looking for ritual. The wafer really confuses me when it comes to comes to communion. Why, why is it confusing? You're, it... you're just eating Jesus's very very dried gluten filled body. For someone who loves saying Jesus as often as possible, you had a, a, t- a, a, a reason to use it properly for once, and you t- chose to say Jesus is, 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 is. I know. Anyway. Um, I was reveling in his genitive. <laughs> but when, when did the wafer arrive, though? Because I'm, I'm sure it I'm was sure bread. Wiki, I'm sure Wikipedia will tell you. I'm, it was, I'm sure it was bread originally. Probably and... cost cutting. You get a lot more <laughs> slices. <laughs> and it, becomes uh, and it also wafer. keeps. It doesn't, it doesn't get weevils and things. You know, uh, it's dry. It's on leaven, of course, which is... It keeps. Which is crucial, apparently. Yes. Um, I'm very pleased to say that where I go to church, they just have some big old chunk of bread and you pull a bit off it. You do go to church, which is yes. nice. What a, well, you know that I think the Catholic... Again, Randy was involved in getting... Certainly got a letter about this. Um, there was a... Um, a, a girl who went to a Catholic church who had a genuine allergy to wheat. It wasn't just, oh, I'm intolerant. Right. It wasn't, ju- it, it wasn't any of that. And um, the priest wouldn't allow her to have wheat-free um, communion wafers. My goodness. Because apparently Jesus has to be made out of wheat. <laughs> that's right. So you just force it down, and even if you get ill afterwards, you have to do it. But that's very bad, because, of course, if you do throw up the wafer, you have to immediately eat it up again. You have to oh, eat up you? the vomit. Yes, a priest will have to gobble it up. Because oh. you can't. I mean, can you think... Imagine you're ejecting the body after it's gone through that's transubstantiation. True. You can't. Yeah. So, well, even in even in the Anglican Church, you once you because of course Anglican Church doesn't believe in transubstantiation, but it's symbolic though. You have you can't once the bread and wine has been blessed, it can't be just chucked down the sink. 
which is why if you ever go to like an, a, a, a you know an old Anglican church at the end of communion, there's always that great bit where you get to watch the vicar quaff all the goblets. You're like, because he's got to, he's got to drink it all because you can't chuck it. Because imagine if you got holy wine down the sink. What if they get into the? Imagine they get into the waterways yes. and, and then everyone and then the then homeopathic Jesus would get into everyone. Yes. <laughs> that would be if homeopathy works, and that would be the the best way of um, preaching the gospel. You just pour, <laughs> pour Jesus down the drain and get him into the waterworks. Whatever did happen to good old fashioned <laughs> good old fashioned Jesus? <laughs> no, good good old fashioned politeness. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking about the um the sketch from Fist of Fun on the radio. It was probably not it wasn't Fist of Fun. It was probably the Lee and Herring Radio One show yeah. where Kevin and El- Kevin Eldon and Simon Quinlank was doing the hobbies, yeah. hobbies and his hobby yes. was Christian church crawling. Right. But the idea was to see how many communions you could go to by timing <laughs> all the different churches in the area at different times and you see how much wine and bread you could drink. And then he says you can go to Catholic churches where they believe in the holy transubstantiation of the body and blood of Jesus Christ and you can see how many Jesuses you can eat. Well, you see, that that's a good idea for a sketch. Who do you think had that? Do you think it was Lee or Herring? You see, you want to be mean about Lee Or Herring. do you think it was Peter Bainham? Well, I imagine it was probably David... Uh, um, um, I forgot, Kevin Eldon, I imagine. I think he wrote so. his own stuff, but yeah. they were banned from doing that on TV. BBC Two would not let them do that at ten o'clock on a Friday night. That joke was deemed inappropriate from broadcast. Victory for you, lot. That's right, <laughs> victory for us. You had your pitch pitchfork that so night. I was outside the burning stick outside radio, outside BBC <laughs> Television Centre. You, you and Stephen Green of Christian Voice. That's right. We're, we're he's, like best he's your buddies. best friend. He's he my is. best friend. <laughs> you, you, you have him every day. You know in your what my team. problem with the national anthem is? What we don't sing the racist verses anymore. Yes, that's the big problem. Also, we don't actually have a national anthem. We've got a royal anthem. Oh, that's true. Yes, we yes. don't have a national. Not only does England. There's a clue in "God Save Our Gracious Queen." Doesn't really have much to say about God saving her little country. And it's true, and it, England's a very funny little country, isn't it? Because it doesn't have yes. an anthem, and it doesn't have a national dress or a national dish no. or anything. We have a, a UK royal anthem, yes, and we have a Scottish and Welsh and Irish national anthem, but nothing for the English. I quite... very strange. For such a, a country that generates so many peculiar nationalists and patriots, it is odd that there, isn't any, there aren't any badges to actually wave. I quite like that about it. Do you think so? I think it's just such a bland, denatured place <laughs> that it's 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 kind of Belgium with a better history, really. I, think, uh, I quite like that. I uh, think my favourite thing is that our national dish is genuinely chicken tikka masala, and yeah. it, and it's a, it is a uniquely chick, British chick, yeah. dish. Well, chicken, but it, it chicken was... tikka chicken tikka masala came from the Indian subcontinent. Fish and chips mm-hmm. came from Portuguese Jews. Um, All right. There really right. is very little. Like, and I like the that, English have it? done them, themselves, which is good. I think it's a very good, uh, and it's. One of the few things that I like about this soggy little dull concrete ridden hellhole. If you don't like it so much, why don't you just go back to where you came from? I said I like it. Go back to I Russia. Said, I said I do like it. Um, before that, I also like it. I, I'm proud that. <laughs> oh no, that's not disgusting. <laughs> I am proud of this little place that it, it, it gave the Yanks what for when they started dissing our NHS. Yeah, the Yanks. I'm even prepared. All Americans did that. All Americans. They all did. And except it was a British MP. Who said it on American television? Did you? Yeah, but he. I'm glad that people said that was trash. I'm glad too, and I, I'm proud but of I'm the not reaction proud. of your countrymen. Pride is irrelevant. It's nothing to do with being proud. Seven of nine. <laughs> it's such a furious captain. Pride is irrelevant. 
what is this human thing you call pride? I, I have no ego, so I have no pride. But I'm willing to concede to being pleased. I am pleased. I'm almost delighted at the reaction. But I'm not proud because no one... Why I not? Know, because it's a bunch of amorphous people who very probably only reacted this way because they, someone said something bad about England and they went, Whoa, no, where's my St George's I'll Cross? You, I'll tell you where my, where, why I am not just pleased but proud. It's that... They didn't react to people going on about some minority language or dissing the St. George's Cross or a religion. They but reacted. they would have if that's what had happened. They rea- I don't problem. know if they would have. They reacted atavistically to people attacking their notion of a publicly funded uh, health care system. But these are the and very- I, think, I think, I'm sorry, I know maybe it shouldn't and maybe that's a failing in me. I am very un-nationalistic. I hate nations and nationalism, I and I don't like proud. I don't usually like think of the notion of patriotism makes me sick. However, in this one case, I actually felt a twinge of pride. And this is my problem. I don't believe you about not feeling patriotic because if my you chest swelled a bit for being on this little island, whereas usually it doesn't, it, it sinks <laughs> in the decrepitude but of so the place. So when it happens to align with your thinking, suddenly yes. you become nationalist. And why That's shouldn't I? Because. The whole inherent evil and disgustingness of nationalism is still present. Yes. Just because you happen to agree with other people we're saying en masse doesn't suddenly justify you to go headfirst into the nationalist Why not? pool. Because it's revolting. It's just it No, is you're insane. going around in circles. I think that we should be allowed our slight insanities. And I think, <laughs> okay, well, I think your insanity. your Christian attempt to repress them because it's one of the seven deadly sins is why and nationalism well, exists in the first place. You well know I do not mean pride in that sense. I think you do. I think that's what your problem with it. <laughs> Look, I can't stand it when football comes along and everybody puts their little flags on their cars and that kind of thing. Oh, God. But I am... Uh, another thing I'm quite proud of this country about is they do tend to take them down afterwards. I'm sure they don't you leave pleased. them on. I'm sure you mean you're pleased. It's not about just it, no. Not it isn't proud. just pleased, and maybe it's not pride in the sense that you think about it. It's a it's it's a certain swelling pleasure at being involved in the society that you're usually not very pleased to be involved in. And, and it's, pleasure. it's pleasure. It's not just pleasure. It's a it's a pleasure of involvement, and that you can you, you yeah slightly boastful actually. Mm-hmm. But, but good, boasting good, good, good boasting. boasting, and you and you feel that too. you're allowed to be part of the collective that's doing the boasting. That's that's the point. That, a... And that's where I think I come unstuck because I have no desire to be part of this large silly collective. I'm I'm love the collectives I'm a part of, and my groups of friends and the people I know and the people I I agree with on subjects. Which tends love to be thy you... neighbour as thou love thyself. <laughs> Absolutely, but I'm not talking about hating. I'm talking about not wanting to be identified as part of a collective with a bunch of people who will probably disagree I disagree with on well, the that's what, that's that because you're a chi- that's because you're a child of Thatcher you're, 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 at- you're atomised and you believe that there is no such thing as society there are just families and individuals as St Margaret said and I hate all minors as well uh, yes you do that's true I hate <laughs> that's all. ERS just before um... <laughs> yes I hate, all, I hate all children as well yes fair enough how, how are we doing for time? How long did we say we wanted? I think, we for, I think 40 is good. I think 43. Okay, 43 minutes okay. should be I, 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 I think 43 minutes should be the limit. Some people go on for an hour and six we minutes. We went on for an hour and we went on for about an hour and six minutes And people complained that, that I was got too bored long. listening back to it. Yeah. So, but then I, I, I was going to ask you about listening back. Because you were saying you enjoy listening back to your own voice. And you were just well, no, I don't, I don't actually... I genuinely don't like my own voice. I agree with the people who complain about it. It's not the worst voice, but I don't like it. I, I, if I could change some of the tone. And also it's got... 
weird diphthongs and things, which I will explain in a later podcast where they came from. This mm-hmm. is not just somebody trying to do a posh voice. It's a voice that's been put through a number of mangles <laughs> at various times in my life as I've moved from different countries. So there's right. a there's a mixture of, of South Africa and Boston and this country and different parts of this country, different parts of South Africa as well, because my father um, used to... Uh, work with ANC treason trialists and things like that. So mm-hmm. we would be speaking with people whom white South Africans normally wouldn't be. You know, there would be Asian people around uh, who were part, who were being banned by the government, who would be, who, whom we go on holiday with. And I'd listen to their right. cadences and voices combined that. Then we spent a year in Boston. I suddenly got an American accent, but a Boston <laughs> American accent, came back to South Africa. The accent went away again, came here. Um, so, you know, it's just gone through any number of wrangles. So I don't particularly like listening to my own voice. What I do like is the feeling of estrangement that you get, the anti-solipsism you get when you listen to yourself speaking and you listen to yourself as a stranger and you forget what you'd said and you start almost agreeing, finding yourself funny or disagreeing with yourself or being quite angry with yourself and saying, why did you say that? And for once, it's not an I, it is a you. It's like in sci-fi where okay. you have people who are time-travelling and meet themselves. Right. And you get that weird feeling. Um, and that's, that's why I quite okay. like doing it. But I, I don't like the tone of the voice. Do you, do you like listening to yourself, Mr Walker? Well, I found that I hated it at first. And so whenever I'd hear my own voice recorded, it would always make me... Because I just hated the fact well, that... Well, your voice is much more mellifluous than mine, so it, it's, well, it's in my nicer tone. But my, well, I appreciate that you like my voice. It's very kind. But in my head, my voice sounds a hell of a lot better than it does when I hear it back. Like everybody of says course, it, yeah. Of course, of course. But what I found is, now that I hear, I hear my voice quite a lot now, um, having done increasing amounts of podcasts with different magazines... Numbers and, of podcasts, and, not amounts. Oh, I'm sorry, that was dreadful. Numbers of podcasts. Yes. Um, different amounts. There was an amount of the PC Game ones, a- and there was an amount of... Amount, of, of, po- amount of podcastage. <laughs> so, um, and I've, I've got used to it now, so I have to I have to listen back to the Rock Paper Shotgun one to prepare it and stuff, and I've listened... To also to see the one. sound qualities. Anyway. Yeah, so I see if you can actually hear it. And then I've listened to a few of the... Uh, PC Gamer ones I've been on people but then I've, I've just found I'm used to it now so I hear my voice and I'm quite it doesn't bother me either way but then people also are surprised to hear when I haven't when I said I haven't listened back to a podcast and I'm on my, I, I was there I heard it already I don't need to no, listen think, to it a second time I think I think I'm always interested in listening to the the path that the conversation took which you don't necessarily right. remember it's like you're involved, you're involved, and you're seeing it as a first-person shooter. To use language, you'll understand. <laughs> yeah, you're I constantly understand going games. forward. Whereas it's as if it's as if you're then watching the playthrough from above, and you can see the maze through which they through which you've gone through, which you and you you get a, a zoomed-out view of it, which I right. quite like doing. You see the the weird circumlocutory nature of the conversation. You can see as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I quite like that. I think I prefer the idea of maybe listening back a few months, six months, twelve yes, months later. That works like, better. So yes. I'm surprised by what I said yes. rather than just remembering. Oh yes, I said I said that. And one of, one of the reasons that I like doing these and I want to do more of them is actually because, as you know, we're having uh, a baby in in the next few months. Not not together. No, not together. Sadly, um, uh, you, you were unable to become pregnant. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, so you divorced me. So I divorced you and married Victoria, and she's becoming she's become mm-hmm. pregnant instead, and. I think it'll be quite fun for a child to, in ten years' time, to unearth these and just listen to the ramblings <laughs> of a They'd father. just be horrified, though, surely. Ten years in ten, ten maybe? Fourteen years' for- time, she'll be so horrified. Yeah, she was exactly, that's why I said ten, not yeah, fourteen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Ten years' time and thirty years' time, yeah. it'll be good. Fourteen years' time, <laughs> it'll be the most terrific. I'll go to one of her birthday parties or something <laughs> and press play as we're discussing homeopathy. <laughs> 
<laughs> in fact, I will do that. If you can remind me in 14 okay, years' time, John, please, please remind me. Say, to ruin your teenage daughter's please, birthday party. Please try and remember that. Everybody, okay. if, if you still remember me at, in 14 years' time, and if I'm still alive, and if the world still exists, and we have electricity... Please remind me to do that. If we have electricity. I hope we don't. That'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll burn it into shellac and we'll play it with a pin. Look at that, 43 minutes and a bit. We should stop. We should stop. So that's, why, um, that's what happened to good old-fashioned manners. Indeed. I think it's been quite comprehensively covered. Good. Excellent. Bye-bye. Bye.